Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I'm Dr. Bill Kanaski here with one of my favorite trial attorneys in the world, Liz Gain from San Diego, California. Liz, how are things in San Diego with COVID-19 running rapid? Are you guys opening up a little bit or is it still kind of crazy? Well... You know, I mean, uh, California is a huge state, obviously. So San Diego is uh, a little bit different than perhaps some of the other counties. Uh, you know, our, our uh, mayor has been pushing the governor to allow San Diego a little bit more autonomy to open up. Uh, our curve has been, has flattened, and I think we seem to be doing pretty well, but it's, it's still craziness. I mean, never in my life would I have ever expected to see what I see. You know, people... Everywhere I go, people are wearing masks. There's, there's, uh, you know, lines at Costco. There's, uh, there's no, still no toilet paper. You know, yeah. there's can't get a delivery for any <clears throat> groceries to save your life. It's um, crazy, crazy times. So, well, I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna jump to my last question first because I think what you just said is a perfect segue. Is all the people you're describing are potential jurors usually? Um, the, the multi-million dollar question everybody wants the answer to and that we're working on very hard and it's going to be very region by region, but what are your thoughts on how the COVID-19 epidemic may impact jury decision making? I've heard this from multiple angles. I've heard it's going to get worse for defendants because jurors have been through a lot. Uh, they'll likely be emotional. A lot of people were unemployed or laid off or furloughed. And then on the other hand, I've heard, well, maybe if someone's bringing a soft tissue claim against the company on a slip and fall, maybe the, there's going to be this horrible lack of sympathy from the jury. What are some of your thoughts on this? Because I'm sure your firm's thought about this and had discussed. Yeah, you know, I, well, I think it depends on, I, I still think the juries are going to be determined in large part by where you are. I mean, yeah you and I both know because oh, yeah. uh, we've done we've done a trial together well actually well, I, the last one I did was with Mary who was yep. amazing with your company but um, you know if you want to try a case in California you're going to want to try it in San Diego County that's the truth mm-hmm. and uh, because our jurors are typically super duper cheap juries and they're very very smart juries too I think the one that I did with uh, Mary we had what nine nine uh, all 12, I think, were college educated, and we had nine that had master's degrees. So, um, but I, I tend to think that, that it's really going to go more in favor of defendants. I think that the world is, certainly I think of it now, I mean, I think of going through this crisis myself and, and thinking, oh my gosh, this puts everything in perspective. I mean, look at what we're dealing with, and what we're dealing with right now makes everybody else's minor gripes and concerns seems so much more trivial. That's one side of it. But you and I both know from having read a lot of the books, I've read all the books and I urge all the lawyers that ever litigate to read these books by plaintiffs. You know, we've talked about it. You and I have talked about it quite a bit, you know, whereas sometimes the science might be off, right. But, but their, their tactics work. And I think the, the, the reason that is important is because, uh, you have to understand their mindset. And one of the big things that they love to harp on is this sense that not just so much of, of injury, massive injury giving sympathy, but on the concept of loneliness and isolation, 
right? I mean, that's yeah. one big, big topic in a lot of the books because I think they've done, and you can probably talk more about that, but they've done a lot of research from what I understand to show that, that jury, juries are going to want to give people more money because they, they understand and sympathize with this idea of uh, loneliness and isolation. People's injuries make them lonely and isolated. And now you're going to have a lot more people who can uh, understand that concept of loneliness and isolation because they're living it, right? That's I mean, they're living point. it. We're all living it. We're all going crazy. Yeah, so that, that may cut against us, right? I mean. Yeah, and that loneliness and isolation cuts across all races, all demographics, all socioeconomic statuses. Right. That's a really good point. Now, Liz, uh, like myself, and we've given several speeches together. Yeah. Uh, you are a prolific speaker, uh, a lot on uh, reptile theory, and I know you got one coming up uh, on um, nuclear verdicts, so two topics dear to my heart. Kind of give us the reptile update, because um, this continues to be a vicious battle. Um, regardless of what region uh, you are in. Have you seen an uptick or a downtick in reptile? And maybe how with COVID-19, does that kind of help the plaintiff uh, reptile theory going forward? Yeah, I, I think, um, no, there, there has been an uptick, certainly. But I think what we're seeing, and you could probably, I'm sure you've seen the same thing, is there's a lot of people who know how reptile works now, much more so on the defense side than ever before. Now, you know, I remember when you and I first started talking on this subject, I remember the first time I ever saw you speak, I thought, oh my God, this guy, this is amazing. And then I got addicted to the topic and read up about it um, and then used their own tactics in my own trials, which is just brilliant. But yeah. um, I think that, that now the defense bar is familiar with it, right? Because everybody's talking on it now, although a lot of people still are talking on it that don't really understand yeah. it. But um, that's a, the plaintiff's bar, there's a lot of people who know about it, but there aren't very many people who actually do it very effectively. They stumble right? over I mean, it. They kind of stumble they do. over they, it. They have to do it. There are only, that I can think of, plaintiffs that I've been involved in cases with, there's only truly a handful of them that are really, really proficient and very, very good at it. Um, so there's a lot more people that try it. And, and if you, you try it and you don't do it properly, it, it backfires against you, right? I yep. think um, I, I just experienced that not too long ago where uh, you know, I ended up with my fastest verdict ever, 12 minutes the jury delivered, de deliberated because oh, the, the tactics backfired. I called them out on it. Wow. Um, but I will say this too, is, is the insurance industry, which is notoriously slow and the defense bar is notoriously slow, they get it now too. It, in fact, um, you know, talking to some top level insurance executives, they're all talking about it now. I yeah. mean, all the heads of companies, CEOs, chief claims officers, they're meeting and talking about these uh, reptile and nuclear verdicts, which truthfully, they, they go hand in hand, right? I mean, the nuclear verdicts are caused by people who are really, really good at the reptile style of litigation, right? Um, so they're, they're now very much paying attention to it, uh, all the companies are, and they're trying to come up with reasons and an understanding about why these huge verdicts continue to happen. And I, I think that's a good thing. As far as how that plays into COVID-19, I think COVID-19 will, who knows? I mean, I think in some ways, as we've discussed, it'll, it'll, it'll benefit the plaintiffs. In other ways, uh, it will hurt them. I think for those who don't know how to do it right, it's going to hurt them. For those who know how to do it really well, it's going to help them. Well, for the insurance defense industry to take 11 years to catch up with this, I guess that's not a shocker. 
Right. <laughs> but um, um, another question, um, and I've talked to several guests about this, between commercials, a lot of emails, um, things being posted on corporate websites, there's a lot of companies coming out essentially saying, hey, you know, we're going to guarantee and ensure your health and safety going forward. And I don't think that this has been well thought out because I, mean, I get these emails every day and I'm thinking if a plaintiff attorney gets this email, that's exhibit A in your reptile case, isn't it? Oh, God. Oh, I, I had a case where, you know, um, ultimately I ended up settling it, but I took it right up to the courthouse steps because there was some really powerful uh, witness testimony on on the you know on the video it was video recorded as a lot of them do and um, they they're pulling out you know they're showing screenshots from the company's website where they they say exactly that and and that's why you know when I prep these witnesses I say listen you guys you have to be aware of everything you put out there right the plaintiff's bar is notoriously good at talking to one another Yep. They're notoriously good Tell and me. they share information. We don't do that on the defense side of things and we really ought to, truth be told, but we don't. Um, but they share information. So if you've got some email or letter or something out there, every good plaintiff's lawyer out there has it and you're going to see it in trial and you're going to see it in deposition. So there's got to be a lot more forethought in putting this stuff out there, especially when they use, like you, you said, these, these key words like safety. Right. I mean, geez, that is exhibit one highlighted, blown up on the screen. What are you going to do with it then? And in all these, in all these emails and commercials, it's always the first sentence. And I swear they, they copy it off of each other. It's, it's, I don't care what, it could be Hilton, it could be Delta, it could be Southwest, it could be a food service. And they all go to the same thing first. Response like, hey, we got to say the right thing here to keep people calm. And right. but they're not really looking at litigation. Uh, going 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 forward liz how are how are california judges because they've been notorious for not understanding very much but then i saw some changes uh particularly in la with a couple of uh judges putting high profile reptile attorneys in their place has what's the defense bar's effort to educate the bench on reptile um you know it, it like like anywhere it works with some it doesn't work with others i will tell you that um and this is something you and I should definitely talk about in one of our next things, if we, the next uh, talks, if we get to, to give another presentation together, is um, I not long ago had a trial where I was getting ready to argue motions and limine, because a lot of this stuff to deal with, you know, the reptile tactics, you got to bring them up in motions and limine. Yeah. And one of the things, obviously, uh, good plaintiff's lawyers do is they use the voir dire process to start introducing those terms and introducing yeah. numbers. And once the number's out there, then they're stuck to it and then they repeat it throughout trial. So, you know, they, they throw out a number in voir dire, right? Rather than an opening statements and then it, it, it just sticks there. So they talk about 10 million or 40 million in voir dire and yeah. then they manage to, to eliminate those jurors that say that, that you know, for, for cause, saying that there's no way they could, you know, give a, a verdict of $40 million to a woman who uh, had a broken arm, right? So that's the same juror, and now all of a sudden she's she's being kicked for cause, so you're going in, you know, with the deck stacked at you. But I have now had judges where I will tell them that that's happened. And the last time, the last, not last trial, but the last trial before that, I had a motion in limine to prevent a mini opening, right? The mini openings, which are the, you know, four or five, less than five minutes, two or three minutes overview of the case before voir dire. And that's where they use the time to talk about 
the basics, introduce these terms and introduce numbers. And the judge said, I said, you know what they do, what these plaintiff's lawyers do is they, they do, and I start to tell them what they do. And the judge says, I know very well what they do. And, and he looks right at the plaintiff's lawyer and he goes, you will not be giving a mini opening in this case. Even though there is a California rule of court that says they're favored. So there are some that are catching on, and there are quite a few of them. I mean, you know, the case that I did with Mary of your company, he was very, very much um, uh, familiar with the process, and he was with us the whole way along. I mean, we objected, and he would strike portions of the testimony that referred to community and community values and safety and all those things that we talked about because he was from California. Not so much. I think they, they really seem to be getting it in an L.A. down south. I've had the problem more in Northern California judges. Um, and they're, they have no idea what's going on. They've, they've never even heard of it. So it's just still taking some, it's amazing that they haven't, but it's, it's still taking some time. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Please keep in touch. Let's do a talk together soon. And listen, if you, if you need a witness prep, we are doing virtual witness preps via Zoom or WebEx. So, you know, sign up at any time. I have uh, plenty of time to do it right here from Orlando, Florida. Awesome. Thanks so much. And thanks for us taking the time. We'll talk to you soon, Liz. Bye.